Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, January 25th. I'm Hannah Floor. New council members were sworn into Petersburg Indian Association's Tribal Council last week after a landslide election earlier this month. But the council members are starting their term without a tribal administrator, who resigned from the position two days after the election. KFSK has the story. Outgoing Tribal Council President Chris Morrison handed over the reins to new Tribal President Deborah O'Gara at the tribe's first meeting since the tribal election on January 8th. Next, O'Gara swore in three new Tribal Council members and one incumbent. Four of the Council's seven members are new. They challenged incumbents and ran on a united ticket. They won decisively, in some cases with twice as many votes as their opponents. And tribal members came out in droves to vote. Roughly four times more people voted than last year. The challengers campaigned on what they saw as a lack of transparency with the tribal council and administration. New President Deborah O'Gara says that lack of transparency created distrust among tribal members. We ran for more transparency, more openness in our meetings, Uh, more involvement from tribal citizens, we were given the mandate to do exactly what we had said we were going to do. And that was a loud and clear message, and that's what I took away from those numbers. Two days after the election, Tribal Administrator Chad Wright resigned. His last day was Monday, January 15th. He did not respond to requests for comment. Outgoing President Chris Morrison links Wright's departure to some of the statements made by challengers and their supporters which Morrison characterized as disrespectful and intolerant of non-natives. Most employees of Petersburg Indian Association, or PIA, are non-native. Morrison addressed the council after the new members were sworn in. She said that some PIA staff are worried that the new council won't value them because they're not native. She said she hopes the new council can trust that the staff want what's best for the tribe. PIA has already lost one staff. I fear that more may follow if your team, one, isn't able to interact in a manner that demonstrates respect for individual staff members and their time, and two, isn't able to genuinely demonstrate that the intent behind the words attributable to you has been misconstrued. It may prove to be a difficult endeavor since you reap what you sow but I believe it would be well worth the effort. The staff of any organization is critical to its success. New President O'Gara responded, saying that PIA staff is invaluable. She said getting to know the staff and building trust is a priority. I hope that each and every one of you do plan on coming to the lunch tomorrow because I've already made a big pot of soup. And the whole purpose is not a meeting. It's really to sit down, break bread, have soup, and get to know each other. After an executive session, the council voted unanimously to install O'Gara as acting tribal administrator. O'Gara said in a text message that a top priority is hiring a tribal administrator as soon as possible. But beyond that, she says, the challengers don't have any specific plans. Our focus is going to be to um, get in there um, and find out where things are at and then go from there. But she says they do want to find ways to carry out their campaign promises of transparency and greater tribal involvement. We all firmly believe that the power of the tribal government comes from the citizens, not the other way around. 
we can't be an effective government unless we are listening to and taking very seriously the voices of the citizens, because that's who we are serving. There is also a council seat to fill. Joseph Stewart resigned the night the new council members were sworn in. He says the resignation is not a reflection of his feelings about the new council. He says it just seemed like the right time to step aside and make room for new ideas. I'm always encouraging young people to step up. I'm always encouraging people to get involved, you know, have a voice. The Tribal Council hopes to fill the vacant seat soon and plans to put out a call for letters of interest in the near future. In Petersburg, I'm Hannah Floor. Three Alaska State Troopers were honored at a ceremony in Wrangell last week. They were noted for their bravery, service, and one surprise trooper received the Trooper of the Year Award. Colette Zarnicki attended the ceremony and has this story. Chad Yoder is the only trooper at Wrangell's post. He's responsible for everything from taking out the garbage, maintaining vessels, and filing charges in complex court cases. Yoder received the 2023 Trooper of the Year Award for the Southern Detachment, which represents about half of the state. The list of the responsibilities is endless. Trooper Yoder not only maintains a one-trooper post, but he also excels at each facet of his job. Colonel Bernard Chastain presented Yoder with the award. He is the director of the Alaska Wildlife Troopers Division. Chastain says Yoder's traits were showcased when he began to investigate notorious commercial crab fishermen. In June, the report came in, and this boat had arrived, in in fact, arrived in Wrangell. Trooper Yoder made observations of the vessel and the crew. He gained evidence to show that the captain of the vessel was violating his conditions of release from a prior domestic violence assault arrest. Yoder also received an accommodation for bravery award for how he responded during the deadly landslide in November. Throughout the 10-plus day natural disaster response, Trooper Yoder worked tirelessly not only as a dedicated trooper, but also as a member of this close-knit community. As other troopers arrived in the days following, Trooper Yoder continued to be instrumental in search efforts. Overall coordination, recovery of victims, and public safety with a visible sense of determination and security. Yoder was then given a going-away plaque to recognize his efforts in Wrangell. He and his family will be transferring to Ketchikan in late February. In response, Yoder expressed gratitude for everyone in the room and talked about how quickly he and his family were welcomed in Wrangell in 2021. It just really brought a sense of welcoming, community, and uh, you really set you know, our time here in Wrangell up for success, and I really appreciate that. Um, it's, it's a bittersweet moment to move on. Yoder's wife, Sabrina, says she knew for a few months about the award and had to keep it a secret from the kids until the day of because they cannot keep secrets. However, Yoder's oldest son, Cyrus, who is 11, was in on it. I was the um, second one in our family to find out, and it's been so hard to keep it a secret from him. I was so excited for him, and they're finally here, just waiting, it's been waiting for so long. And then when he finally got it, I was like, "You, you see? That's what we've been all excited about. Chastain, the director of the Wildlife Division, has been a trooper for almost 26 years. So he knows what it takes to stick with a tough job. It takes a toll over the years. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard job. He helped honor Sergeant Cody Litster for two decades of service. Litster is one of Petersburg wildlife troopers. 
Captain Derek DeGraff, who oversees the Southern Detachment, presented the award. Four years of service. That's a huge milestone. Just because you can retire doesn't mean you should retire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, thank you for your hard work down here. After the ceremony, Litster said he's not retiring anytime soon. I'm still having fun doing what I'm doing, so there's no reason to leave. You'll see me around for a while. The state trooper officials also awarded another Petersburg trooper. Josh Spann was honored for saving a life on March 1st of last year. He administered Narcan, a medicine that rapidly reverses opioid overdoses. Chastain spoke about Span's good work. Trooper Span's actions in recognizing the need to administer Narcan and the decision to administer subsequent doses preserved life. His actions reflect great credit upon himself and the Division of Alaska Wildlife Troopers and the Department of Public Safety. And this is signed by Commissioner James Scott. So congratulations. Although Span accepted the award, he recognized it was for a not-so-great reason. I guess it's, it's a bittersweet thing because, I, you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance, and but it's, uh, it's also good to be recognized. Um, so, so it's good and bad. Chastain said the awards given in Wrangell help recognize just some of the great work that troopers do every day. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki. Like Ketchikan, Sitka is now poised to receive a $4.5 million grant from the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation for an affordable housing development. The Alaska Housing Finance Corporation has proposed granting $4.5 million to the city to assist with new housing developments in Sitka as part of the Last Frontier Housing Initiative. City Administrator John Leach said Sitka and Ketchikan were each chosen to receive the funds. Both Sitka and Ketchikan are regularly overlooked in things like this because we're, we're too big to be called one of the small communities and we're too small to be called one of the big communities. So we're kind of stuck in the middle here. Uh, so there was a uh, direct focus on both Sitka and Ketchikan with this uh, $4.5 million grant to move this project forward. Sitka would qualify to use the funding for an affordable housing program, and it comes with some requirements like building a certain number of rental units for low-income housing and a 15% matching fund from the city. The federal funding must be spent quickly by the end of 2025. Leach said if the Assembly wants to pursue it, they would submit a non-binding letter of intent and the Assembly would likely issue a request for proposals to find a partner for the project. Leach said ideally an organization that has experience in managing federal funds. Assemblymember Tor Christensen said by partnering with another organization, SICA could end up with an even more substantial project. Of course, it's not going to fix the housing problem in SICA, but it's going to take a bite. And we are lucky enough to have uh, multiple agencies that we can work or, or organizations, that might be a better word, that we can work with on this. And so we could see a project that is significantly larger than four and a half million because they've, they've got their own ways of raising money and leveraging. During public comment, several urged the assembly to accept the funds. STA tribal council member Lillian Feldpouch also chairs the Baranoff Island Housing Authority Board or BHA. What an amazing belated Christmas gift. I mean, four and a half million dollars to Sitka, as you mentioned, normally doesn't come around. Who know, we don't get thought of often. We are currently in a housing crisis, but it's a lot, it's so short. 
Feld Pouch and Executive Director Cliff Richter said Biha is currently shovel-ready to build an eightplex adjacent to its existing multi-fam- multifamily housing on Indian River Road and thought they could be a good partner with the city to develop more housing in the area. While the Assembly did not vote, they agreed to get more information on the funding and submit a non-binding letter of intent to the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation. The U.S. Department of Commerce is giving the Aleutian Islands community of King Cove almost $900,000 for harbor improvements. Within the Commerce Department, the Economic Development Administration provides grants and other assistance to economically distressed communities. They said in a statement Tuesday that the money is meant to support the region's fishing industry. The money is earmarked for a new boat hoist at the city's harbor. King Cove has roughly 700 residents. The town just took a hit when its only fish processing plant, Peter Pan, announced they would not be processing cod this season. This is effectively shuttering the fishing community's chief economic driver. U.S. Representative Mary Peltola said she was delighted King Cove was getting the federal funds and that it would, quote, provide a boost for the fishing industry. The federal government has recently invested millions in Alaska's coastal communities, including over $40 million for a new dock in Cold Bay, just over the pass from King Cove. That grant was announced in November. King Cove is required to match the boat hoist grant with an additional $800,000. That brings the total investment for the project to $1.7 million. A fishing vessel capsized offshore from Chignik on Sunday, requiring the Coast Guard to send a rescue crew. No fatalities or life-threatening injuries were reported. Weather conditions at the time included 30-knot winds and 8-foot seas. According to a Coast Guard statement, the Alaska Rose, a 46-foot fishing vessel, reported that they were taking on water two miles northeast of Chiniak Island around 4.30 p.m. Sunday. An MH-60 Jayhawk helicopter from Air Station Kodiak was on scene 30 minutes later and hoisted one person from the overturned Alaska Rose. Three other crew members from the capsized fishing vessel were rescued from the water by a nearby boat, the Kailia. Coast Guard Lieutenant Madeline Romito said in a statement, quote, I wholeheartedly thank the Good Samaritans involved. The quick response between them and the helicopter crew played a major role in the positive outcome of this case. All four crew from the Alaska Rose received medical attention from emergency medical services in Kodiak. The Coast Guard says the cause of the incident is under investigation. Coast Guard officials say the Alaska Rose is presumed to have sunk. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.